Around the NFL Podcast. Can't do any TikTok dancing. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Greg Rosenthal's here. Mark Sessler's here. Someone else is here. And she's carved out some time as she travels across these great United States of America. Back on the ATN Podcast. You know who it is. The Wolf. I'm about mm. 7% here today. <laughs> Little um, worse for wear, not on... Not on air today, Colleen, and it feels like you're feeling the effects of whatever happened last night. Uh, this song, though, is getting me ready. Connie, Connie Fox is definitely here. Colleen Wolf is not. She, Can I, I offer, don't even know where she is. Can I offer some unsolicited advice, Colleen? Please. And we, know, and we thank you so much because Colleen is in Philadelphia, her hometown, uh, as part of her spin across the country for training camp coverage with NFL Network. And... Um, and I understand it. You've been meeting up with friends. You've been getting a little loose. Um, Connie Fox is tagged in for Colleen Wolf today. What what I would suggest is when Tugboat texts you and says, hey, do you want to come on the show? Just say no. Just say no. <laughs> and just assume that whatever you have going on later in the week is going to make today very difficult for you. And nobody's going to have an issue with it um, because I, I hate to see you like this. I feel ready to go, ready to rock. Um, I'm in (laughs) Philly, yes, and I got two free days um, between inside training camp shows. So I met up with some friends and let loose a little bit. And now I'm uh, picking up all of the pieces uh, this morning. So I'm ready to go. I will offer to you that, you know, for behind the scenes, we do a lot of texting, um, sometimes not a lot um, before the show to plan it out. And I would say that Connie got pulled into one of the heavier um, nights of texting and planning and questions around the show ever. And you could kind of just feel the aura of like, why the F did I say yes to this potential non-paid assignment? Well, I thought that like I was just going to pop on. We're hanging out. It's light. It's (laughs) training camp. It's like still like not crazy busy yet. But and then I realized that I was going to be in like 17 different cities. And this was my one off day. And I woke up this morning to do a lot of math. So thanks, Dan. Well, this is yeah, you picked a really great episode to accidentally um, say yes to because this episode will be covering the overly esoteric division power rankings. Um, which, what is that? O-E-D-P-R. Emphasis on overly. Mm-hmm. What's that? Mm-hmm. So yes. Emphasis on overly. Yes. So that is odd per, odd per. If, if there can be um, DVOA and all these other words and mm-hmm. abbreviations. C-P-O-E, that's a big one. All these things that everybody's mm-hmm. patting themselves on the back. Look how special I am. I made my own little thing and now it's becoming industry standard. Well, guess what? Odper is here, the overly esoteric division power rankings. And yes, <laughs> I did. I did. It's some somewhat of a homework assignment. I gave each of the heroes here uh, and it's I did the same work and then so. So it's not like I'm just the, the teacher who's checked out emotionally and then you do all this work and then you come in and I'm like, all right, we're watching a movie and you pop a video in the in the VCR and I take a nap at my desk. Oh, that sounds so nice. I mean, that's sure you don't we, we wouldn't do that. have had a problem with that. It's just, a, you know. <laughs> 
we I asked team for team. I gave you a whole list of uh, how to break down each team, and then I took those numbers that you sent back to me, and that's very dangerous because you put a lot of math in my hands, and I figured out the division power rankings in the NFL entering 2021, mm. and we will get into that later today. I'm excited, and I was really interested. The results, some interesting stuff. Some math, really- usually not your your strong suit. Famously, you know, struggled no. in a state-mandated test. I did. I got a 39 once on a state-mandated math test <laughs> in uh, 1996. But here's the thing about the old Zeuser and numbers. I kind of love them. I, I have a, a, a difficult relationship with numbers because they don't love me, but I love them. And I love what they tell you because mm. they kind of reveal a lot, not just about these teens, but kind I learned of. a lot about you guys Ooh. by oh, studying okay. your Excel spreadsheets. I like that you're wielding around a mug right now as you as you talk about math. And I don't really believe any word you're saying about how much you love math. And I honestly have a lot of mistrust in this mm. segment now, considering that you've added up all of the scores. Yikes. Uh, how, was, how was your first week on the road, Colleen? Because I know, um, you know, um, we've all we, we've heard this from our listeners, like it not having Wes here has, has been on everyone's mind kind of as the season is cranking up today. Today's actually the, the six month, um, you know, anniversary of, of him dying. Um, and that, that's tough. I know we like f- sort of felt that weight going into it, like f- feeling like a little ambivalent, maybe going into training camp of like, what is, what does this mean right now? We're not totally feeling up for it. I I'm curious, like how you, uh, how you're doing? Because actually, getting in the flow, I, I think, feels good. I think, I think, I'm thinking of Wes last year. He was never more like ambivalent about football in his entire life, and, and talked about it a lot uh, going into the season. But once, once it started, mm-hmm. it actually sustained him quite a bit. Like, and he was totally happy to sort of lose himself uh, in just the season, which we are all like such seasonal people at this point. We are seasonal people. Uh, Well, so it's it's interesting you bring this up because I had texted you and I think I texted Sessler, too. I was texting Keisha and I was just really um, there was a part of me that really felt anxious about coming into the season. And I Mm -hmm. think it was a lot of it was just like not having Wes here and coming into the it, it just like after everything happened I've I felt like I just wanted to take my hands off the wheel completely and unplug and check out and then as each like week went by and it got closer and closer to training camp I was just going through team by team and it just didn't feel as important as it had um, before and like after losing Wes, it just kind of felt, I was like, none of this is like, it just felt like I, I wanted to spend more time with you guys. I wanted to spend more time like hanging out. I wanted to spend more time with my family. I didn't want to just sit around and be pouring over every single team. Like I normally do every year. But then once I finally got to, the training camps and started getting into every single doing the shows and going through all of the stuff that you have to do to, to put these shows on the air. I got it. I got more excited about everything. And now that I'm in it, I feel like I'm just, I've completely jumped in and immersed myself in it. And well, you it do the feels a lot better. Feels a lot better this now. Is us, this is us <laughs> hanging out um, right now. I mean, it, Keisha, I know, wants to like thank all the listeners, and, and she will when we can 
can all get together. But I appreciate the listeners reaching out and telling us like they're thinking of them. I, I mentioned on the TV show how I listened to this podcast. It was the DFS Rise and Fall podcast. And uh, Keisha like encouraged me to listen to that. And it was it was Chris. And, and I hadn't mentioned it on the pod. And he had really pointed it out that it was a, this meaningful pod to him. And it was it was hard. It was hard to listen to it, of course. Um, but it also like Keisha's taught me a lot um throughout this whole process you know like celebrating him and keeping uh, his name alive and hearing his voice was was honestly it was it it's like beyond words like what it meant like you feel everything at once but it was also nice like it felt like being in Tyvee and felt like being close to him and doing the football and us like that's part of the reason why I'm really looking forward to getting back together like all four of us um and in, inside a podcast studio and doing like it's gonna be hard but it also like I don't know. That's that's how we keep to me, like celebrating him and hearing his words and stuff. Uh, it was a great way to sort of keep keep him alive and, and close to us. I don't know. It's it. I think it's on all our minds, isn't it? Um, it really like, is. The season because we're going through this all for the first time um, this season, really. I, well, when I, we're starting over. That's how it feels yep, to me. 100%. And um, and when you start over, it's just like when we began the podcast together in 2013 and I'm only speaking right now from a show perspective, but in, in a lot of ways, like um, just our relationships together, um, it's kind of a, a reset and that, that comes with some bumpy times. And, and also it's, you know, this is, this is tricky stuff um, without Wes here. We went through last season without Chris for the most part uh, with the exception of those Sunday nights, uh, that he gave us, which were, uh, you know, let's face it, heroic. And um, I'm so happy that we had those those last shows together with him. Uh, but of course, this is totally different. This is to do to go into a new season without Chris at all. Um, it's weird. And it's um, it's one of those things in texting with Keisha last week. There's nowhere to go but forward. You just got you can't. You know, you remember Wes, but you also know that you can't you can't just stay where you are and stay looking back. And that's that's kind of where I'm at right now, uh, where we're trying to figure out the next step for the show um, without Wes. Because, frankly, and I think, you know, we've all had this conversation or thought it. You know, we don't know what the show is without Wes. So mm-hmm. the part of what this spring and summer has been about is just trying to figure out how this even works anymore. Um, and then there's the obviously the human friendship component, family component of him not being around anymore, which is still very strange. Um, and I'll catch myself at numerous points um, every week where I'm just like, wait, he's actually gone. It's, it's part of, mm-hmm. it's part of this whole process. I mean, I would just say briefly that <clears throat> for me, it's like, it's completely starting over um, from a football angle. And, you know, I, like most of my memories football wise, are not with my family, for instance, because we're always together during most of football stuff. They're they're largely like inundated with Wes and Wesisms and Wes comments. And I mean, even with the preseason, his disdain for most of the preseason. I remember sitting beside him, <laughs> you know, and, and NFL.com August news was not his time. No, August and like but, but we would time. sit there for seven straight hours, like covering these games, and like it was mostly just him and I talking, you know. And um, I like, I don't think we're all in the same place in terms of our verve. Like I I'm just being completely honest. Sometimes you have to kind of fake it till you make it a little bit. And I don't have like a tingling in my loins to watch like Cowboys Steelers tonight. Gross. But I think once it starts, then it starts and you just get back into it. But um, it yeah. just won't be the same without our friend. It just, it never will. It's like, you know, you talk to people who 
spent their whole lives watching football with their dads. And when they're, if their dads are suddenly not around, like the sport will never be the same. That's what I would compare it to. Yeah. Well, it's so honestly much. like, it's hard to even like talk about him without completely falling apart still. So it, that's been like really it, hard. It, it is. And, and I, and I, I only want to bring it up on, in some level. Cause like I, I do, we do hear from the listeners and I think like, that's important just to let them know, like, of course we're thinking about him all the time. And we, we know that you guys are too, like not only listeners that had all these DM conversations with him and believe me, there's, there's a lot and some <laughs> had like really, you know, had meaningful relationships in that way, but just listening, um, that's a meaningful relationship. And like, we, we know like they're going through it too and it's on everyone's mind. And, and especially, yeah, I think with, with the season started with, with training camp starting um, it's kind of, uh, I, I told Keisha this, like, her kind of sharing like on her IG stories and stuff like that, like it's helped me because I'm not someone who it would be my inclination to like share that sort of stuff. Um, but her sharing has like helped helped me a lot too. just hearing um, about it because it's totally normal what we're you know, what we're going through. We're going to continue going through it. it. It's starting over. But it's also like he will always be with, you know, as you mentioned, like he'll always he he built this podcast up with us. And that that's part of it. And we're, we're never going to it's not like we're ever going to forget him, um, like on the shows that we don't talk about him. Uh, he, he's all, always on our mind in, in the best ways. Damn it, Greg. I'm so Sorry. fragile today. Sorry. <laughs> I know. I can't handle it. I really wanted to know. I think you took us all by surprise with that left turn, Greg, but it's it's good to talk about. This is our time together, honestly, is our time on air. We, you know, on on some level, um, that's that was such a big a big part of it too, especially with the listeners. I I do think about the listeners too, because look, a lot of them ducked out. I think after after West died too, and maybe are coming back now, or that's just like a natural flow of things too. And, um, and so I, I just, you know, we, we see them out there too. We know, we know it's not easy. We do. And we, we love the listeners because they've been um, so supportive of us uh, during this whole process. And it's been a difficult one. But, uh, there was uh, one listener that um, on our subreddit said that I look terrible in a baseball hat. I don't know if I love that. Per- I don't, I don't know who that was. I don't know if I feel total love for that person. I'm still, why I never read comment. the Reddit. I told, that's, that's my role. That's never, I ever, ever, ever read the Reddit. I responded I, I, to it on the subreddit I, I, too. You did. Yes. You responded at a certain point, a subreddit graduates to it's it's not something the people that are the focus of the subreddit should be looking at because it's it becomes the fans and anything that you look at and you upsets you becomes it's kind of on you at a certain point like a guy saying you look bad in a hat i mean you're (laughs) not supposed to see that dan the way that i'm built like i i understand what you're saying and you're correct but that will affect me it was like an arrow that got shot into my eye like dan had to call me Dan called me and was like, you need to stop looking at the Reddit. Number one, they all hate you. Number two, it's not going to help that. the show. <laughs> I did not say they all hate you, but. You know, but they do. I mean, on Reddit. Yeah. I'm like, talk about you look bad in a hat. Like, try put on my hat for a day, Mark. No, Ooh, I, I don't doubt well that. Why are I you think, coming at me now? That feels unnecessary, but just because always, you guys are all being emotional and I just like love you and yeah. you're my family and like. I'm so thankful for Wes and I think, you know, he's brought us even closer than we could have ever been. So Mark, I love you. And you look stupid in a hat. Like I am honestly (laughs) asking that question now, like, like next time we're hanging out, I'm going to wear one. I I think you look good. I think you, 
you've been you been looking different lately, and it's like a new fun. Uh, Mark, he's like a little wild. Uh, I know you guys have been wi- like watching the White Lotus. It, it almost reminds me of um, the hotel manager in the White Lotus. Like you don't know what's coming next with this guy. Yeah, very I see a lot dynamic. of the. Very that is an interesting comparison, there. Greg. I'm very pro baseball hat, so I think you should continue doing that. Do my your favorite, own thing. Who cares? My favorite Mark Sessler baseball hat is the one that he went to like the uh, the promenade in Santa Monica and got his uh, initials monogrammed on the hat and then wore it for two straight years. <laughs> <laughs> I lost that hat, but you're right. That was well, what an odd move. All right, let's do some news. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the new West Coast home of the NFL. I'm Colleen what? Wolf, and it is my sincere pleasure to introduce you Stop to it. the future. <laughs> what is that? They made me say it. I had no choice. And they made me do it like 27 different times. I, I, I can't. All right. For the Enough. listeners, though, did they make you do finger bombs pointing downwards at the same time as you said, welcome so, to the future? Everyone needs to know that um, this is a couple of months ago, a promotional. I don't, it might have been in-house. I've never seen this. Promotional video uh, introducing the new Hollywood Park facility um, to, I guess, people that will be working there. And and it got sent my way, and immediately I wanted to play it all on the show. And uh, I believe Eric was like, yeah, let's just hold up, because I don't know if it's for like public consumption. And I still don't know if it's necessarily clear, but it's it's so amazing in so many... Ricky, hit me with more. I just can't get enough of it. Colleen, thank and you that, for coming on the show today. Well, that's oh, SoFi Stadium, <laughs> and it's about the coolest thing I've ever seen. Yes! Yes, 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 yes. Oh, I knew it. I knew this was going to yes. happen. I kept saying, yes. how about we do it this way? And then they would let me do it my own way. And then yes. they just kept all of the lines that they wanted that where I was like, mm, this doesn't really work. And I wouldn't normally say that. Yeah. Oh. Wait, where, did, where are they playing this? Is this on a video like board of everyone no. entering Greg, our workplace? Greg totally buys into the message. So he's going to just play this on the loop in his house. <laughs> This is the this is a terrible day for me. You know what, <laughs> Colleen? I won't I won't uh, play anymore. No, just kidding. Give me another one. No. Almost magical, and the possibilities for brand partnerships almost endless. So 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 everyone out there needs to know that I hate 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 uh, seeing myself on TV, <laughs> and I hate hearing the sound of my voice. So this is like a double whammy because like I know that that's cheesy and. And you're making me watch it and listen to it. So this is horrendous, Dan. All right. No, no. Uh, it had to be uh, from like middle management no. corpo types, right? Right. No, I, like, you, like you're saying it was people. horrible, but honestly, I've never been more excited about brand uh, sponsors. Hit it, Ricky. Possibilities. No, oh, and Super Bowl 56, which works out okay, great right. for us and you because 255 feet away from SoFi Stadium, right, right here is the new headquarters of NFL Media. One more, Ricky. Hit it. Give me one. Fans will fall in love with football in a powerful new way, and they'll do it right here. Only question now, where will you be? Why did I say yes to doing this show today? I know. Why? You give permission just to log off at this point. That's it's been enough. I'm, yeah, the last uh, two felt gratuitous. Like at that point, uh, <laughs> it felt like too much. On the other hand, you know, it, for our listeners, <laughs> at one point they showed Colleen was on a big screen over our entire workplace on some level it it is uh you have to admit it's cool that colleen is the person that they chose for that she is like you you are the the face you're becoming the face 
of NFL media. They're Every, not having they're not having me do that. You know what I mean? They're not they're they're not they're not calling. I don't know why they wouldn't have picked you, Greg. That's that is <laughs> Every person who has seen this since has given me so much heat about it. So you guys aren't the first and you won't be the last. So I'm glad we're doing this here. Let's just get it out there. Let's just get in front of it right now. So I, Colleen, I, I sincerely apologize. I just could not help myself. Great work, Dan. Let's Thanks. get into the news. <laughs> Philip Rivers. Remember a few months back, um, maybe it was like two months ago, there was that clip of him working with his high school team. <clears throat> Where is he? Alabama? Yeah. St. Michael yeah. Catholic High School in Alabama. And he's the head coach there. And we saw the clip of him doing his thing on the sideline. And we all reminisced about how great – it was to have Philip Rivers in our lives for so long, and it just seemed like he was in a great place in his life. Well, he already hates high school coaching. This is how I'm oh, spending this, Greg. And he's, he needs to be in the spotlight. He needs more money. So that's why Phil Rivers has said he does not rule out returning to the NFL in December or January. Greg, I mean, when is enough enough? Yes, I mean, this is take. so disrespectful. So not just to <laughs> Philip Rivers, which, of course, it is. You're twisting his words. But to Sam Farmer, the Los Angeles Times <laughs> A uh, reporter, the venerable Sam Farmer, who pointed out uh, repeatedly how much Philip Rivers loves high, coaching high school football. How Rivers he hates those little that. snots. But the season's gonna <laughs> be suck. over by like December. You know, you got the playoffs around Thanksgiving or whatever, and he could be free after that. And uh, this happens with a lot of guys who retire. Training camp starts, and they start feeling that. Uh, that juice again. And I just say, bring it on. Like, I feel a little bit of anxiety about it. Cause he, I thought he ended about as well as he could have. Um, but bring, bring on Philip rivers, taking over for some injured quarterback. Hopefully it's, it's in Indianapolis. It's perfect. Uh, right at the ending, end of the season. Ending his career and, with the first round playoff loss was pretty perfect. He, okay. He outplayed Josh Allen in that game. He played a terrific game. It was just, it was kind of a perfect ending for him where he played well. And it's like, he had a good season. It was about as good as you normally go. I, for I just kid because I know how much you love him. You love Philip rivers more than maybe your own children. So I just needed to give a little um, tart with the sweet. That's all. That's all. Um, I, it'd be cool if he showed up again. I don't know, Connie. Do you think? Do you think Philip Rivers showing up in December or January for a team that is in an emergency quarterback situation? How would that even work? And by, by the way, he's already said he's lost a bunch of weight because he's not in that training schedule. I see where you're saying, Greg, with the anxiety. Would you like to see it happen, Colleen, or do you think he should stay where he is? I, I'm picturing, like, for anyone who watches Ted Lasso, Roy Kent, who retired and now he's coaching, uh, like, a, a kid's like, – I think he's coaching a, a girls' football team. So he's, like, a very ornery character. And I'm picturing <laughs> uh, Philip Rivers, like, a different side of him that we've never seen before is coming out now that he's not uh, in the NFL anymore and he's coaching at a high school level, St. Michael Catholic uh, High School in Fairhope, Alabama – but I think that uh, I, you know what, bring him back. I love a little bit of drama. Let's see, uh, let's see what he can do. He said that he wouldn't have made weight if he reported last week, and that he's he's lifting and running now. So let's see if he can get back at it. I would like, let's say Justin Herbert like stubbed his toe. Nothing serious, but out for the Ooh. wild card round. Rivers comes in, Drew Bledsoe like the year they won the Super Bowl and wins a playoff game for the Chargers, and then hands it back off to Justin Herbert. Comes in for one game. I don't think we need seven weeks of 
Philip Rivers, but just comes in and does something heroic and then really rides off into the sunset. I can see mm-hmm. it. Like he's the type of guy, especially last season, you would think oh, maybe the wheels are going to come flying off and maybe he throws a couple ducks early in the game and you're like, oh boy. And then all of a sudden, flash forward late in the fourth quarter and it's 24 21 and he has the ball at midfield. Like I could totally see Rivers mm-hmm. doing something special like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like but, the Colts probably won't be around by December, though, at this rate. I, I didn't trust them with, with Carson Wentz. And now if Carson Wentz is limited, Quentin Nelson, since we last tape, is out for 5 to 12 weeks, somehow with the exact same bone injury, which is bizarre, that supposedly he's had since high school or since birth, perhaps. Right. They both have the same bone defect and had the exact same surgery with the same bizarre 5 to 12-week timeline. Weird things are happening in Indianapolis, I feel I, like their season could not be good. over by... One like little thing, though, Greg, there is a report, and it's uh, it's not Jacob Eason, it's Sam Ellinger at this point, according to Stephen Holder, has people <laughs> within the organization buzzing. Oh, my so God, So you never know. It. You never know what could happen. Okay. Also, that's, like, such a big window, five to 12 weeks. Right. That's, I mean... That's a lot. And it also uh, screws the Eagles over, too, because if Wentz comes back at the back end of that you know, timetable, then the Eagles don't get that first round pick. It, remi- it reminds me of those cable guys. They tell you they'll be there from 12 to 6 p.m. Can you be a little more specific, please? <laughs> I love when Greg All right, voice Pat, work. <laughs> I love when Greg does voice work. Hey, Connie, are we OK, by the way? Or are you, are you mad you- at me? Are you like honestly mad at me? Maybe <laughs> even shoot me a text after the show, like, "Hey, man, that was an ambush." Like, what was up with that? Or are you getting? Are you getting those vibes right now? Not right angry? now, but I can't. I can't tell because of uh, there's like a haze of Patron right now, so I can't really I- get through. Honestly, I feel like I am drenched in tequila right now. Um, I don't have, feel anything at all, quite mm. frankly. So I mean, don't I worry. Can, I can relate. To be, by to the be way. Fair, like spending time with you this off season, your natural state is hungover. At least when we, we've been hanging, <laughs> can, can I, sort of, you're used to it. She's such point. a pro, though. It's amazing. She's like one of those legends that <laughs> you would never know it. Hey, uh, is it too personal to ask about the finger? Colin? Oh no. So yeah, um, I know this is an audio show, so I'll describe uh, my I, my finger right now. So. Kurt Warner threw me a pass, uh, and I've never actually, like, caught a ball while running. Like, I've never caught an actual pass from uh, a Hall of Fame quarterback, for sure. So he threw me the ball, and then, I don't know, I think I might have broke my finger. Um, it's, oh, I can't, no. I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go to, your, thank your, you. Your, your catch was incredible. Do we have, do we have right. that, Ricky? I high pointed the ball. And his blonde hair, just, you know, hanging out there in the wind. Carefree. Oh, speaking of blonde hair oh, hanging out in the wind. Oh, See, get it, just getting some reps yes. in before the show. That's right. Uh-huh. Nice Touchdown. Nice Thank hands. you. Thank you. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later as well. Break down that play. Great quarterbacking there, Kirk. Wait, so th- is that that's the actual throw and catch where you injured the finger? Yeah. Yeah. It, so when I went to catch the ball, uh, it hit, it hit the top of my pinky and I, like, I think it just went sideways. And then I was with Baldy the other day. So I was like, well, this is perfect. Maybe he can like give me some pointers here on uh, what not to do. So I think I'm going to go get x-rays after this show, uh, just to make sure that it's like, you know, not going to be a problem because I messed up my thumb on the other hand too. So oh, I have, I was wearing a splint <laughs> last night. Um, oh, it's terrible. so yeah, it's just turning like a lot of different colors and I'm probably going to lose my nail. 
And it sounds like you super jammed it. Was that the first take or did you go to the end zone four or five times before they recorded a catch? Well, uh, I will tell you that I caught it on the first try, but they weren't rolling. So then I uh, went out again and I caught it, but I dropped it. Uh, then I went out again and I missed it. And so I got it on the fourth try there. So I got it on the first you and the fourth. The first. That's yeah. You get, you get credit for that. And yeah. is Kurt Warner aware that he's seriously maimed you? I don't think he... so. I don't, I don't okay. think he's because I was it's like, hurt. Kurt, I can't, I couldn't feel my pinky for the entire show that we did. And also typing right now is difficult whenever there's like an A or a W involved. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of words. <laughs> And I have you typing out um, esoteric power rankings. I mean, I, I, yeah, next time I'm saying no. <laughs> Kurt Warner, if you're listening, and I know you are, buddy. How about you shoot <laughs> Connie a text just to check in? Yeah. Little lady bird bones. I know. I am a, like a little <laughs> fragile bird. <laughs> All right. Dan. That's what's happening in the news. I'm sorry to hear that, Connie. I hope it's just, uh, I hope it's just a, a sprain or something in that. I'm you sure don't have be Brian Baldy fingers the rest of your life. But it does have like a lot of weird colors going on. So mm, it looks I'm messed sure up, good. actually. Yeah, I know. It's crooked and it's like blue and red and there's a lot of pre- swollen still. Mm. Anyway, I think I'll be just fine. <laughs> All right. That's what's happening in the news. Man, the cults are a mess. And that was one of the takeaways when I uh, looked at the <clears throat> overly esoteric division power rankings um, presented by no one at all. Not yet anyway. But once it takes off, once the odd pairs really take off, it's going to be a different situation. Here's how it worked. This, this is how I figured it out. Okay? The math probably right. But I can't guarantee it. Let Perfect. me start there. Okay? I did use a, an Excel spreadsheet to help me here. Uh, I broke – I asked you uh, three to break each of the 32 teams um, – to get a score out of 25 based on five categories. Okay. And, and I asked, and I want the listeners to understand this. It was not something to do a deep dive and a, a studying and research and tape watching kind of a gut instinct. When I tell you one to five bills, quarterback, offensive potential, defensive potential, coach and coaching staff, which is that certain hard to define something. Ju- I took it as juice. I, juice. Pr- I translated right. it as juice. Same right. thing. I can't speak French. Kind of same thing. Okay, juice, je ne sais quoi. The it factor. It factor, all that. So those five categories, uh, I then took your final scores for each team, okay, added them up, divided by four, got a <laughs> division score for every team. I totally, I told you it's overly esoteric. But guess what? When the math was all through, and I figured out the division average. Some interesting stuff. So let's go through it. And I sent it to you guys if you want to check it out in your emails. Oh. Uh, if you want to see some of the scores and where we differed. Some general overall takeaways on the assignment that I had. Um, the most optimistic grader was Mark. Mark's mm-hmm. grades were higher for most people. I was on the other end of that. I was lower uh, than you guys. Uh the only person to privately request their ballot remain anonymous, Colleen. <laughs> the only person uh, to offer a score that does not exist, Colleen, a five and a half for the Packers, <laughs> Mojo. <laughs> and uh, Greg, you and I were very uh, simpatico uh, 
with our grades. We were very close on a lot of teams. Um, and then Colleen and Mark were very close hmm. with each other. I love it. Teams, which is an yeah. interesting breakdown. Um, so let's get to it. Eight divisions. And when you when you figure it out, yes, it adds up to 100. 100 score maximum. Who do you think is the highest scored team, by the way? Well, you just told us. You sent the, the results during the show, but you told us to look at it. So now I feel like I can't answer. I got oh, you. Well, I didn't okay. look. I didn't look. But at I would have guessed right anyways. It's pretty. I would obvious. think Tampa Bay. I, I don't know why. Why not? The Chiefs. I, I would have guessed Fox? the Chiefs because that's who I had. Uh, I had, I think, as the highest right, hmm. in my mind, in my mind, in your mind. Yes. The highest graded team in this exercise uh, was the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers who had 93 and a half out of 100. Um, between the four of us when he added all up. And there was uh, another 90 team, I think a couple more 90 teams in there, but nobody was at that level. Uh, so we we love the Bucks um, around these parts. The Chiefs also were high at 92. And the lowest team, that's a pretty easy one to figure out too. There were some ghastly scores for the Houston Texans uh, who <laughs> finished at 33 and a half um, when you add up the four scores that we gave them. Uh, I mean, the juice factor, I, that was my one. I think the only zero I handed out. I wanted to go negative one, but I thought that might Wait, bump with zero you. allowed? I didn't even think about zeros. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. there were not too many zeros. I think Connie and Mark had a couple, but um, I, I stayed away from them, as did Greg. All right, let's get to it. So the according to our overly esoteric division power rankings, the worst division in football, and it's not, necessar- it's not particularly close, is the AFC South, with an average score of 57.5 out of, 100, it is the Colts, Jaguars, Texans, Titans division that is worse than any other one entering the season. I think, uh, you know, we have the Titans as a heavy favorite. We had them at 76 and a half. Um, Texans, of course, I said 33 and a half at the bottom. The Colts at 63 and a half and the Jaguars at 56 and a half. So I think the the whole Carson Wentz and now the Quentin Nelson drama probably dropped, I would say, the Colts, uh, you know, something in the neighborhood of 10 points. And that dragged this division down even further. Mm. Well, you got to think about that division as the worst in football because it's got a team that went one and fifteen, and it's got the team that everyone thinks is no like no other division has a two pack that bad. Mm-hmm. And that because of that, you have to think that the Titans are one of the most likely teams I in the NFL to make the playoffs. Like the I would throw the Bucks in there certainly, and the Chiefs, um, the Bills, but may, maybe the Titans just in terms of like likelihood to make the playoffs is is up with those teams because. I don't know. Indianapolis, prove, prove me wrong. But even the Titans well, as the best team, you wouldn't grade them the way you would like the Tom Brady, New England Patriots year after year. I mean, they're good. Are they great? We don't know. Yeah, that the uh, the defense for the Titans is the one thing that worries me a little bit. But with the Colts, just everything that's happened with Carson Wentz, you just have such a question mark now at that position. I mean, even if he does come back at the beginning of that timetable, the rest of the roster for the Colts is really, really good, top to bottom. But if with that huge, huge void there, I mean, you don't, you really just don't know what you're going to get from Carson Wentz when he comes back, if he's going to be like the Carson Wentz of 2017, or if he's going to be more of the Carson Wentz that we saw before, or if he's going to even be healthy the whole year. Right. Jags fans, we know, we hear you. We know you're out there. If I'm a Jags fan, I'm thinking this division is winnable. It's not that crazy. Their offense, I gave them pretty high juice factor, at least. If nothing else, the Jaguars are going to be more interesting with that offense and Lawrence. 
And I think a lot of people are curious what the Titans offense will look like without Arthur Smith. The fact that they're in this division, it's going to give them a lot of cushion to kind of figure things out. And you would think to me, and yeah, maybe the Jaguar surprise, surprise us here. Um, I don't think the the Texans are, in the, and we'll see what happens with the Colts here, as messy as they are. don't want to get too caught up in a moment, but this feels like nine wins could win the division. A nine and eight team could come out of this division, and even if the Titans stumble this year, I feel like that's where they can get. Um, all right, next, the number seven division. A little bit of a surprise, I thought. The NFC North uh, we had coming in 63.25 out of 100 was the – uh, average weighted score. I don't know if average weighted is the right terminology, but I'm going to just say it with uh, confidence. Sounds intelligent. And then if somebody can bury <laughs> me on that subreddit, and then Mark, let me know. Um, I mean, it's not weighted in any way, so mm-hmm. I don't think. I know, but Greg, you got to just you got to go with edit it. out the word just, weighted and just save just save. No, but that doesn't sound good. It's just like oh, the average, um, average weighted. There's something little pop to that. You know what I mean? There's something, there's something. It's not weighted, so it's what? It's incorrect. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, we have the favorite, the heavy favorite is the Packers. Um, we have them at um, our average score was 85 out of 100, which is very good. But it's interesting. The true Super Bowl level teams that are seen as favorites. We all kind of had them, those teams in the early 90s, late 80s. So it, it seems like as a group, we see the Packers as maybe a, just a click below those great teams. But they're still a heavy favorite in this division. The Packers are the Vikings a distant second, 70 out of 100, which actually is a little high, I thought. And then the reason why this t- this is so low, this division, is that the Bears and Lions are weighing them down. The Lions are buried at 41 and a half. Uh, the Bears at 56 and a half surprised me a little bit. I thought they would have a little more juice and you guys would be a little more into them, uh, but apparently not. So the fact that the division has one very good to great team, one team that's a little on the bubble, and then two teams we see as afterthoughts held back the division as a whole. Where where did everybody fall on the Vikings? I, I'm high on the Vikings. I thought they were team three and a half. I think that was like the, the one note I took. Mm. It was like they are the ultimate three and a half team. And I think they could mm-hmm. be better. I'm trying to be conservative. I, I think they have a chance to win this division. I think their defense will be good. I think their offense will be good enough. Uh, and like they, I don't, I don't see them as too differently than I did going into last year, uh, or maybe even a little better on paper, I think, than, than they were going into last year when they're coming off uh, a division title. I'd consider it a shocker if, if the Packers lost the division to any one of those teams, but mm-hmm. I'm with you that the Vikings to me, and I had this, I have a couple teams like at the Cardinals, just sort of like three and a half type. You're, you're a B plus. I trust you to annoy me long enough and then get completely mashed in the playoffs at some point. It's same old story. I think you guys all had them at an 18 out of 25 score, and I had them at 16. First of all, Kirk Cousins is the most three and a half out of five quarterback that's ever right. played this exactly. <laughs> He's not a three. Mr. Three He's and a half. Four. He is Mr. Three and a half out of five. Um, and I think I ding them a little bit more on defense. Um, and I think I talked about it earlier in this week that they have so much uh, turnover. I think they have 16 um, new members of their defense that it's just such a titanic task for Zimmer to now put those guys and get that team playing. But if Zimmer, who's a defensive guy, gets it done, my two and a half score, that should be a little higher. I also don't have a ton of juice for them. The Genese was only two out of five for me. That's, That's why. fair. That's fair. But yeah. they have a chance, I think, to beat up on the on the Bears and Lions. And uh, I think there's a chance all that defensive talent is a huge upgrade. I guess but that is, defense is, is where I'm coming from. They're also getting like, yeah, they have a ton of new faces as starters, but they get Daniil Hunter back who had Mm -hmm. the neck injury. He missed all of last year. Anthony Barr missed like 14 games. 
Um, Michael Pierce opted out. So they have a couple guys that are returning who are, are actually like big factors, I think, in that defense. I, I trust in Zimmer. And I don't need the Packers fans to remind me. I know they didn't. I said they won the division two years ago. They did not. They famously gagged on Monday Night Football in, in front of Keith Hansis while me, Wes, <laughs> and Mark, and Dan all watched them. Uh, and they did make the playoffs but they, and, and won but a that's, game. But they did that's not when win Keith Hansis labeled Matt yeah. LaFleur. Little boy with a beard, yes. and I've never forgotten that since. <laughs> Come on, Danny. These guys didn't even show up. <laughs> That's exactly Amazing. what my dad sounds like. Uh, number six, a little bit of a surprise um, that they're this high. The NFC East and the slight favorite, according to this group uh, and my computations, my weighted computations. Sexy Wait, really? Is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, we have them at 71 and a half. So we are, as a group, sucked in once again by the Cowboys. The the summer of hype around everything with this team has us uh, seeing them as a division favorite just slightly over the Washington football team at 70 and a half. The Giants far behind the pack at 59 and a half. And then the Eagles, Connie, buried at 55. Mm. Uh, so they are they have this division, according to our um, overly esoteric division power rankings, has two kind of eight to 10 win teams and then two teams that are kind of afterthoughts here. Well, I think with the the Cowboys, the big question is the defense, how that rebounds with Dan Quinn with, uh, I mean, they have a lot of different pieces, but last year it was just so horrendous to watch. So that's the one question for me, Dallas, but I mean, also, it doesn't surprise me at all that the Eagles are so low. Where where did uh, the scores come out for the coaching staff with the Eagles? You know what? <laughs> that's funny you should say that because that's one of those ones where I tweaked it later because I was thought I was being a little bit mean. I had it, I had it at two and a half because uh-huh. I just haven't been um, overly uh, impressed by some of the sound bites. But then I was like, that's totally unfair. I'm I'm going to give him the benefit of that. And I, and I just slapped a three there for oh. the Eagles coach. Mm-hmm. I gave him a two. I gave new coaches a two unless they felt like they had a little extra juice. Cause you just, it's hard to tell if new coaches are going to be Nick Sirianni. The Jets, I gave a two and a half. Like I gave them another half because they, yeah. they're not doing any Sirianni and they give up good vibes. Right. Um, but like, you gotta, you gotta show me it first. Let's see. It's such a young staff though, too. Like even beyond Nick Sirianni, that all of like the assistants are really young too. Um, but my favorite quote from Sirianni, I think that was from last week when he was talking about how their players are all in attack mode and they're going to attack everything. They're going to attack like these practices and then they're going to attack rest. And that was my favorite. <laughs> Attacking rest is truly spectacular. <laughs> you know who you know who attacks uh, rest? Your husband, John Gonzalez. Yes, oh, I mean, loves a nap. That's uh, that's he does the old read a nap every day. He's a man of leisure. I remember on, on Tybee Island, he, it, during the day, just like hard right turn out of the social activities to like a four hour nap. <laughs> yes, this is, uh, that's what not having kids is like. You can, you can nap. Yeah, and I, I like how the, that we get kind of grades here. Cause you say we're kind of high on, we're falling for the Cowboys, but they got a 71 and Washington got a 70. That's right. We're like, minnesota was which we were just saying wasn't too high it kind of makes sense like they're a c is does that mean they're kind of a c minus team it's like is, you know the bucks are a's it's it works out pretty mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. that's interesting i don't know if it quite translate to to the educate right. educational system a to f scale um but 
I then think that's where the weighting would come in. We would have to uh, raise it. I don't uh, think we were overly high on points. on any of these teams. I guess were this we? is part like when I was saying that uh, the the numbers. Um, although they don't like me, I like them. I like that when you actually have to assign a score, even if it's something as simple as a zero to five, you kind of learn something a little bit, something about how you see these teams when you see where you have other teams in the same same realm. Uh, but I think it, if you hit 70, you're kind of right on the borderline of being a playoff team. Like you're right there. That's what I think the, this uh, data. Some people say data. Sometimes I say data. But right now I'm saying data because I think there's a little more pop to data. Sure. Hey, did any team get a 36? Exactly isn't 36. That, isn't that I mean, what you got on the state mandated math test? Oh, no, 39. Oh, 39. 39. Anyone get a 39? Uh, let's see. The Texans got... Uh, <laughs> they got a 33. No one else is a 33 and a half. So. Dan would uh, be the equivalent of the Lions, perhaps. They got a 41. Okay. That's really what I was getting at. Perfect. <laughs> um, look where I am now, Ma. All right. Number five, the <laughs> NFC South. How about the NFC South? Right in the middle of the pack, the heavy favorite, the Bucks. We all love the Bucks. 93 and a half out of 100. And I think uh, Connie and Mark both had a 24 out of 25. For wow. That, with for that with no hesitation. With and no hesitation. then buried in a distant second place, uh, the Saints at 70. The mm. Falcons, I thought, a little, little generous, 65. And then the Panthers... The bloom is off the map. Rule rose, I guess, with some people on the show. 55 and a half. Um, Greg particularly buried the quarterback position. That's Sam Darnold uh, Vendetta, which I uh, thankfully am not connected to anymore. I think a one and a half out of five, as low as anybody got. Uh, wow. The Panthers buried by Rosenthal. You don't one, of the worst quarter, one of the worst better? quarterbacks in football for mo- three years straight. What do what do? Well, you don't. Well, I guess the the point you're making when you give him that grade is you do not divorce his situation with the player. You think he was as responsible as yes, as someone I've in seen, a good system. I've seen many. I've uh, no, I'm not. He's equally responsible. I, I would say. I would say it's on him and it's on Gase because I've really seen tough. many quarterbacks play under Adam Gase and they all played better, like every single one of them, all including right, well, Ryan fair. Tannehill, by like a pretty good amount at the exact same part of his career uh and then i i like matt rule as a coach i think i gave him a relatively high thing but i yeah i guess it's darnold and it's a lot of questions i think in carolina what was sessler's uh grade for matt rule for the coaches there five and a half well, <laughs> no, i is, think i, I think no I you have to a... this cuts through it because he has to give a, a pure grade and stay out of his feelings and but you like him you give four i think that's the highest grade anybody gave him but you didn't do five because you're a man of integrity. Well, you know, that there's a weighted data scale, to, Dan, according to this exercise. So I had to remove, you know, my emotions and my empathies toward him. I like, I like him as a coach. I believe in him. Where I, where I disagree with Greg a little bit, or where at least I have more patience with Sam Darnold, is like he's never been in a better situation like this. And I think he's got a great play caller, too, and a lot of talent around him. And I don't know why, you know, you get Christian McCaffrey back too. They lost right. like 13 games or 13 games last year were decided by one score. They were the worst red zone team in the league. So if any of that starts to improve, you're looking at a team that can get more wins in a pretty shaky division. So I, I think it's like arrow up. I'm not saying like Greg, into the heavens, but Greg, you gave him you know. a one out of five, mm-hmm. not even a one and a half. Did I? That's rough. What is going on? Wow. You Greg know also, you're not hurting me. I, you I do don't that. like proven. The proven mediocrities thing, like you'll give a uh, like I didn't give that to rookies or whatever, but I'm 
I'm not optimistic. I'm not. I wasn't optimistic about Carson Wentz either, just because he's in a new, a new spot. Like maybe he'll be fine, but if he's Teddy Bridgewater, I think they'll consider that a pretty big loss. And I have my, I, I have my doubts that he'll have that. Their offensive line, I also think, it, on paper, could be one of the very worst. And that's that's a, a bad combination uh, when Sam Darnold is well, your yeah, quarterback. No, they're closer to the Saints and the Falcons then like the buck, the bucks are so far away. Like saints fans have to like, ultimately the saints Falcons and Panthers weren't that far apart compared to how far away the bucks were as the one team. I, I like the, the Panthers have Christian McCaffrey coming back and that Sam Darnold has Robbie Anderson, who Matt rule knows from temple. It just, that, that feels like it could maybe break uh, in a positive way potentially, but yeah, they don't, they don't know who their left tackle is going to be. All right. Halftime. Halftime of the overly esoteric division power rankings, Odper, and a little special guest, a little surprise guest. I don't even think uh, we mentioned at the top of the show, but this is a big deal because this is one of the best beat writers in the game. He covers the San Francisco 49ers for The Athletic. He is the great Matt Barrows, and he joins the ATN podcast uh, Matt, welcome to the show. First of all, this is Tommy, Mark, and Greg with Dan. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'd like to say that I'm also a data guy. Data to me sounds like an art movement. So let's, I think we should all go data on this one. Do you want to? There's a second half to that segment, the, the interminable segment. I will switch over to data in the second half of it after this conversation. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. All right, Matt. Interminable. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. And, um, Listen, we're going to make it easy on you. We're not going to necessarily ask for a above the treetops 49ers breakdown right now on the podcast. I think the audience and and especially us, we're very excited to know what is going on with Trey Lance because you have a piece. And again, the athletic, I plug the athletic a lot. I don't get paid by the athletic, but if you. We'll send you a t-shirt or something. Yeah, send me a t-shirt or whatever, because that that is. Four or five of them, please. Not just for Dan. Like, you know, that's fine. You know. (laughs) Um, the, the coverage is so great. And at training camp, you are singing the praises of Trey Lance. You're wild. Like everyone else, what he's been able to do in these practices, he's barely throwing incompletions, Matt. And it's, I think the question of course becomes how much longer can Kyle Shanahan look the other way, even if this is against second team defenses, is it becoming a situation where this is a freight train in San Francisco? Yeah, it, it, it seems that way. I mean, what what struck me is that um, I guess the, the best word to describe him is he, he's got a boldness about him. Uh, he's not mm-hmm. acting like a rookie. He's not, you know, checking down. He's not hesitant. He's attacking this defense. And it's a good defense, um, you know, pretty deep defense. But he's attacking it deep. He's attacking it with those, um, you know, this bread and butter. Kyle Shanahan throws the deep crosses. He's attacking it deep down the sidelines, he's attacking the seam, he's attacking it with his legs. And, and the, the big takeaway is the, is the juxtaposition. I mean, it, it really highlights what Jimmy Garoppolo isn't great at. He doesn't throw the ball deep. He doesn't attack the sidelines. He's not a runner. So it's this contrast that's been created over the first seven days of camp that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is having a fine camp. But he's doing Jimmy Garoppolo things. He throws the the short pass, the intermediate pass well. He's really good at um, hitting guys on the run. Uh, but he doesn't, um, you know, uh, threaten the whole field. And so I, I've got to think that 
Kyle Shanahan, who loves aggressive, always attacking offense, sees Trey Lance doing this out of the shoot. Um, and that was different than what we were thinking was going to happen, just given uh, Lance's scant college career. That The fact that he's being so aggressive, so bold, so early, I think is what has really surprised a lot of observers, including me. Yeah, I want I wanted someone that's seen him every day, and I'm especially happy to have you because you've been there forever. I think you were there. Were you there for Alex Smith's rookie year? Oh, yeah, yeah, so you, for sure. So you've seen Alex Smith come in. You've seen Colin Kaepernick. Uh, come in, you, you know, you've seen young quarterbacks. I, I am as fast. I think Lance is the most fascinating story right now to enter the season. I've thought he would be the week one starter if he looks great. Like it's not about Jimmy G. Like it's not about you, man. It, like if, if Lance just shows up and he's electric off the bat, that's, that's why they drafted him. And I, I'm not buying anything that they're saying about this being the best Jimmy G we've ever seen. It's like they hadn't even put on pads when John Lynch said that, which felt like a giveaway that he's BSing. So after like seeing, you know, Kaepernick and Alex Smith and other young quarterbacks come up. Like, I guess I'd ask you to just compare, compare how Lance is, is looking and whether you think he would be ready to possibly get out there week one. Yeah. To me, there's, there's really no, no comparison. He's, he's way better than both of those guys were at, at that stage of their careers. You know, Alex Smith had the, the issue, the, the, the famous urban Meyer quote was that he would be non-functional until he learned the whole system. That's sort of how he was, um, he was very much, uh, you know, baby horse learning to walk for the first time as, as a rookie. Um, and I, I love Alex Smith. I, I came to really admire him. I'm not trying to make fun of him or anything, but he was not great his rookie season, certainly early in training camp. Um, and then Colin Kaepernick, um, you know, he had an injury going into his first year. Uh, rookie season, my memories of him was, you know, he, he would – you know, do a, a five-yard dump off to the the running back, but it would be a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. He didn't have a lot of touch early on in his career. So Lance, like I said, I mean, it, he's just uh, head and shoulders above where those guys were early on. And, and like I said, it, it's it's a little bit of everything. Um, he's, he's throwing the ball, um, you know, to all aspects of the field. And only recently did they start doing the, the read option stuff. And you know, he, he's, he's great that, in, in that regard, too. I mean, he's it, it, it strikes you. He's six foot four, 225 pounds. He's not an easy guy to tackle. So even, um, you know, once he gets into the secondary, he's he's going to be the guy delivering blows to the defensive backs. He's different than Kyler Murray. He's different than Russell Wilson in that regard. He's a big guy uh, who's going to put pressure on defenses. I guess a question I'd have for you is, you know, you hear Shanahan and Lynch still singing the praises of Jimmy G. There's been a lot of verbal commitment to him starting the season. I mean, if you're Jimmy G and you're watching these Trey Lance practices happening, I don't know what his mental makeup is, but I'm wondering, does Jimmy G think inside, wait a minute, this guy is the better starter than me. But secondly, (laughs) if they do roll out Jimmy G and just keep that promise per se, and he's outplayed in the preseason by Trey Lance, does this locker room, start to question the decision-making. I mean, would there be a potential insurrection if you're not starting the clear-cut electric electricity guy, the young guy that you, you read some of the quotes the other players are having about Trey Lance, they see it. They seem to love him. So it's like, why would anything other than Trey Lance starting occur? Well, I mean, if, if that were the case and the 49ers were losing, I think that that absolutely would happen. That they would, they would conclude, why is Jimmy Garoppolo in there? And, and I think, 
you know, it, it just makes um, Jimmy Garoppolo's rope all the all the shorter. Uh, they they may indeed go into week one with him as the starter, but you know he doesn't have very much wiggle room. Um, as soon as he falters, there's a guy that's that's proven that you know, like I said, I mean he really puts pressure on defenses has so far. Um, you know, it's it's only been seven days, so I don't think the 49ers are in any rush at all to make any big declarations about a rookie. Um, none of the rookies that they drafted are are in starting positions right now. So I think that's just a theme. I, I think Greg is right. Uh, it's it's a lot of coach speak, GM speak at this point. No one is eager to anoint any of these guys. But to answer the first part of your question, there was a scenario uh, the first couple of days of, of camp where Trey Lance was a little bit late on throwing to, to Debo Samuel, uh, who had broken you know deep down the field and it wasn't a great throw, but it still was enough to get there. And Samuel uh, caught it and went in for an easy touchdown. The next day, um, you know, uh, Garoppolo was in a very similar situation. He sees Debo Samuel breaking downfield. He hesitates a bit. And I wonder if in his mind he's thinking, OK, this other quarterback is going for these throws. Now I, I have to do this, too. So he rears back and gives it everything he's got. And his throw is 10 yards short, easy interception for Jason Barrett on the play. Didn't everybody knew that it wouldn't get there. I think Jimmy Garoppolo probably knew that his, his throw wasn't going to get there, but he sort of forced himself to throwing it. And it was a a horrific pass, the the worst pass of training camp so far. I'm just wondering whether when you're talking about pressure, those sorts of things start to to Mm. show up. He's, he realizes he has to push himself out of his comfort zone. He just may not have the tools to be able to do so. Hey, Matt, what's um, Jimmy G in a big spot. What's happening? <laughs> Matt, what's um, Trey Lance's personality like? like? How how do the other guys respond to him um, on the field between practices? I feel like when you're there and you're able to watch practice and, and see how the guys sort of react to each other, you can – tell a lot more about a player beyond what you know his incompletions or lack thereof like what's what do you kind of what kind of feel do you have for him uh, he hasn't been terrific uh in front of the media to this point i mean kind of saying all the all the rookie things um i think that the biggest thing in that regard is that um you know he did look like a rookie in otas um you know you, you saw him drop back and you saw him sort of methodically go through his his progressions and he usually checked down or through to the sideline um, but when he came back for training camp, it wasn't that anymore. I mean, like I said, he was bold in his decisions. He's attacking. And I, I think that everybody um, concluded, his teammates, um, that he put in a lot of work during that that 40 days off between OTAs and training camp. So, I mean, there, there's a respect there, obviously, that that he put in the work. And he's not, not just, um, you know, looking at the playbook, he was executing the playbook during his time off. He was in Atlanta. He was in LA. He was in Fargo. He was in Minneapolis. And um, he was working out the whole time. And it wasn't just, you know, working on his legs or gaining strength or gaining weight. He was, he was doing the playbook and that was evident when he came back. So I, I think there's a lot of uh, respect for that. Feel free to shoot this down as national media, know nothing malarkey. Um, but I'm curious if it put a percentage on Jimmy G not on the 49ers by Halloween. By Halloween. I, well, I, I think that the trade deadlines, uh, November right two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would put it at, uh, I, I would put it below 50%. I, I'd put it at 35%. And, and the reason I say that is because the 49ers have just been torpedoed by QB injuries. Um, so even if, uh, you know, Lance is, is the starter, and I, frankly, I think he will be by that point, um, I'm not sure the 49ers want to go, you know, uh, ostensibly into a, a playoff uh, race with Nate Sudfeld as the as the number two quarterback there. So I, I think they'd love to have Jimmy Garoppolo as the backup in case something does happen. They, they would have to be blown away by an offer, I think. And if uh, if Trey Lance is indeed taking over for Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I don't know if any team is offering a first-round pick or even a second-round pick at that point for Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's why I don't think it, it probably doesn't happen. But, I mean – and there's also the, the money factor. Any team that, that takes on Garoppolo is going to have to take on half of that, uh, what is it, $26 million salary at that point. So there are a lot of reasons why it might not happen. So we'll keep it I, I think he'll be, a, he'll be a $25 million backup maybe, even in week one. It's not that crazy. Jake Brisket was a $17 million Jake backup. I mean, it, ha- it happens. Uh, and I, I think it kind of makes sense for where they're at, even if it was week one that they just keep him, keep him and pay him his money, and he stays as the backup. Matt Barrow. Matt Barrows, I should say. Cover, covers the 49ers for The Athletic. Read his stuff. Follow him on Twitter, at Matt Barrows, B-A-R-R-O-W-S. Matt, thank you for joining us. And I really sensed in that your most recent write-up, it's almost uh, Mahomesian. It reminds me of how like Chiefs writers were writing about Mahomes early now, not saying that that's what this guy's going to be, but uh, it, it sounds like an exciting time to be on the beat. And uh, we look forward to reading more about it as things go along. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye, Matt. There he goes. goes. It's good. Matt's good. It was perfect for him to come on just as Connie's uh, computer was crashing. Like the (laughs) listeners will never know. (laughs) (laughs) My computer, it's just like me today. Um, All right. So crashing. Back to the division power rankings. The data. Not data any longer, because Matt was right. Data is a little more hardcore. So we had AFC South, 57.5. NFC North, 63.25. NFC East, 64.125. NFC South, right in the middle at 71. Now, the top half. We'll start number four, the AFC West. Mm. All right. And um, the Chiefs, as I said, 92 out of 100. We all love the Chiefs. Um, they are right behind the Bucks as our number two team in this exercise. A distant second. I thought maybe they'd be a little bit higher, uh, but we have the Chargers at 73. Then the Broncos at 63 and a half. Again, they're hamstrung uh, by that QB situation, but we all seem to like them a lot um, otherwise. But also the QB situation, and this is the magic of the overly esoteric division power rankings, that QB situation affects the je of a team. Well, yes, the offense potential too so and the offense it's all connected yeah it's the most important position and even though qb is only one category out of five it bleeds into the others because see it's a perfect thing i've hit on something everybody the data <laughs> it doesn't lie anyway uh charger 73 bronco 63 and a half raiders 61 and a half average Yeesh. score 72 and a half just above the nfc south and just below the team we'll talk about next uh, big picture thoughts. This is, to me, the Bills are the heaviest favorite when I think about who's the division favorites. Uh, hmm. The Chiefs are right there, too, and this data backs that up. 
Wow. I think yeah. the Bucks. I think the Bucks are the biggest favorite, but I, I see where you're at. Where it'd be shocking if the Chiefs didn't win the division. Yet this division is interesting. I'm glad I got in the top half because it feels like the other three, any one of them, could make the playoffs, and any any one of them should be pretty entertaining to watch, or at least has things to watch. I think the Broncos have like a legit chance to make the playoffs this year, and I'm sure. I think fans of all three of these teams are going into the season thinking that way. Obviously, they'll they'll someone's going to be overly optimistic. Someone has got to be lower on the Chargers than I am because I, the way that I did this, I, I believe I have them as a locked-in playoff team. I like them a lot. Um, I gave their new coaching situation. I think I don't do this two point five thing that you do, Greg. I, th- I kind of go three unless I really like the idea of someone. But I think Brandon Staley is going to be a big help because I think coaching issues were a big problem for the Chargers for like the entire time we've worked at NFL.com. So I, I think it's arrow up, and I look at Justin Herbert and say. Well, the offensive line has improved. Why is why would this not be a playoff team to me? Someone yeah. was down on them. I was pretty high on them too, Mark. So I don't was know. it me? It been, I don't think so. Uh, I, you, Greg, you had them at seventeen. I had them at sixteen and a half. Connie had them at nineteen and a half, and uh, Mark, you had them at twenty. So there you go. I don't know. You might that there might was there an addition problem here? Mm. Uh, just yeah. I, don't, I won't rule it out. I won't rule it out. <laughs> I don't know. No, you're probably right. <laughs> uh, but let's yeah. no because yeah, that's uh, I'll double check that. You guys keep talking. I I no, I think I think I might have just made a mistake glancing through it. I think they have legitimate roster issues on defense. Other than Joey Bosa, there's not a lot there in the front seven. Tabulating. Um, you're really counting on Brandon Staley to sprinkle you know, his magic dust on a roster, I don't think necessarily looks much better. You get Derwin James back healthy. Obviously mm-hmm. that that's huge, but you, I, I think the defensive line and the rest of the pass rush other than Bosa and the linebacker spots are pretty big question marks. And everyone assumes the offensive line is way better. The names are so much better. It looks better on paper, but man, they're cursed on the offensive line. And it's the hardest uh, group to predict in football, like good groups can turn bad without really a lot of reason. So I'm not just assuming that these names like Matt feeler comes in and he just solves everything. Brian Bulaga is suddenly healthy. Our first round rookie tackle, you know, Slater is suddenly great. No, like that's all hopeful stuff, but it, it could be a bad offensive line. I gave Herbert a five though, I thought, or a four and a half. And so to me, it's, it's Herbert. That is the reason for optimism. You gave him a four. Yeah, he gave him a four. Wow. I I don't know. I like the fact that they brought in Corey Lindsley. That's definitely going to help the offensive line. You have a healthy Austin Eckler, too, this year. I don't like that they don't have Hunter Henry there anymore, but I think that Justin Herbert showed so much last year, and that was his rookies in I mean with Brandon Staley I don't know what that scheme is going to look like I don't know how much different it'll look um, from last season but Justin Herbert he's been so much fun to watch I feel like he's only going to get better yeah I know people are down on Joe Lombardi but it sounds like they're using a lot of Saints there's definitely some Shanahan tree stuff in there and I think that they've spent the offseason saying look at we're going to try to make this work for Justin Herbert not shove him into something else but Greg, I, the one thing I don't agree with, with that, yes, the line has been cursed, but that doesn't predict what's going to happen down the road. I mean, at least they tried to patch that up. No, no, he, they did he, a great he, job. But I just, I'm, in not, a I'm not assuming they're better than average just because they signed a bunch of guys. If they were, if they were average, work. if they were average, that would be better than last year. And I think they huge. can get yep. to that yeah. point. There's a, there's a lot of projecting with the Broncos too. I know they have a nice defensive roster, but they're one of a, one of just a few teams in the league 
with a raging question mark at, at quarterback. And those are the teams that I am less willing to give any rope to, no matter who's around that position. The, the data, by the way, does check out the Chargers. We have them at seven at 73 average. And that is, again, once you figure it out, it's kind of a playoff bubble team, which makes sense. Let's calm down about the Chargers. This is not a Super Bowl team. Maybe they are, but they feel like that's where they should be. I am a little surprised. I know everyone and their brother is down on the Raiders, uh, but – that that's a you put them at 61 and a half that's you're talking about a double digit lost team um i wonder if uh there's a little bit of uh piling on uh with the raiders that's filtering through in this exercise well what category because i think you could look at a lot of these teams that have show promise one of their categories gets a 5 or a 4.5 from almost everyone tell me what category that is on the las las vegas raiders right, right. yeah exactly they don't where did they get better other than defensive coaching like i think I think they're hoping their coaching is better, but it's not like Gus Bradley has been dialing up a lot of like, you know, great defenses lately, by the way. And they're deeper on defense, but I think you look at the losses they had on offense. They're one of those teams that it's really hard to make a case that they got better when you, when you at least are putting on your rosy, you know, optimist hat, almost every other team can do that. And the Raiders can't a lot of, they haven't been that good. A lot of yeah. fours on offense, which I think makes, especially if Josh Jacobs bounces back. Right. Um, and, and Derek Carr really did take a step up, I thought, last year. And the tight end and maybe Henry Ruggs makes leap. There's, there's a you could you don't have to squint to see the Raiders as a uh, a very good offense. The rest of it is pretty much a crapshoot to me. Um, all right, let's now move into the top three. Just edging the AFC West with a average score of seventy three point three seven five is the AFC East. How about that? How about the AFC East? I love wow. it. They are, it is more interesting than it's been in a long time. That and the breakdown is as follows. The favorite and a significant favorite, of course, the Buffalo Bills, who just missed that 90 tier. They are at 89 and a half points uh, out of 100. So they're right there knocking on the door as a Super Bowl contender. That checks out. Uh, second place, the Patriots, 73 and a half. So there you go. They're right on that like borderline. If you're if you're in that 70 to 74 range, we kind of see you as a uh, playoff bubble team. Uh, just behind them is the Dolphins at 70 and a half. Uh, so they're a little bit more of a, a, a uphill climb to get a play spot, but they're right there knocking on the door. And then the Jets at 60, um, which is kind of right at the breaking point between bad teams and mediocre teams, which I can kind of see that where they're going. So I think we kind of nailed of this division what do you guys think i think the dolphins are really intriguing like that's the that's the team that i feel like could go either way like they could either maybe not make the jump that some people think they will or they will improve because of the guys that they brought in jalen waddle with tua i mean they really worked hard to surround tua this offseason and i know we've talked about it before on this podcast about how does the two offensive coordinator thing work in Miami? Um, it doesn't always work out that right well. Now, so it's sort of maybe having two worked out because now you have a backup when if one gets COVID. <laughs> That's a perfect point, actually. I kind love of that. A great but- strategy. I wonder about the Xavier Howard situation too, how that's going to play out. I mean, I don't think it would be smart for them to trade him, but he's obviously not happy. Right. It sounds, that's an it issue. sounds like it's probably getting settled. I, I've been surprised that the team is so optimistic and that he actually did go on the practice field and then he got hurt. Uh, I think it was a minor injury, but he's been there kind of like doing the Jamal Adams thing where he's 
on the field and helping. And so it does, I don't think there's a lot of bad blood. I think they're going to give him a cosmetic adjustment mm-hmm. to his contract, similar to Rogers, where they maybe knock off one of his years, just like or two even to get him closer to free agency, but not really do much else. And that, and that solves it. I'm with you. They're fascinating because I think they've been greater than the sum of their parts. I think they're fun to watch. I think the Patriots defense is fascinating this year. They added so much and Belichick coming off that year. Like they, they're, their upside on defense is like a top three defense, but they stunk last year on defense and the jets are more uh, watchable and more interesting to me than they've been in a long time. And you've got a superpower team in the bills. The AFC East has been so boring as a division, I would say for the most part for like 15 years, I think like these games are going to be a lot more watchable. I'm glad, I'm glad it's in the top. Well, I think you have stability where it used to be obviously the Patriots and a turnstile scenario for the other three teams in terms of coaches, GMs, just nonstop transition. I think you look at Sean McDermott and say, this is a t- potentially a top five coach, if not better. I mean, he, he is, he's brought incredible growth to the bills. They've gotten so much better so quickly the Jets have stability. I really look at what they're doing, and I believe in the plan. And if Zach Wilson works out, that whole story and that narrative changes drastically. And the Patriots angrily reloaded. And Bill Belichick, I don't care what anyone says, is furious behind the scenes. He is utterly furious at what happened last season. So the division is going to be a dogfight. Mark's you know, back on the Belichick train if he ever was off. He never left. I wasn't <laughs> off. Um, it's interesting. On the note, too, inside the data numbers the weighted data one only one of us waited only one of us did not get bill belichick a five out of five who do you think it was greg so great it's such a greg move wow really check half a point well what is that about greg what's the greatest coach of all time i don't give it almost any fives to any teams in anything he's bill Um, belichick yeah i guess so but that's fair but he's coming off um you know, one of the worst coaching jobs he's ever done. I think I, I know you can say you, you make the argument that they had the talent that they had. And so it's hard to, you know, divorce personnel from his coaching, but his defense collapsed it. it and mm-hmm. and I, I think it like, and what they were going to plan to do on offense did wasn't that's a great one plan. season out of a 40 year coaching okay. career. And they had the most last five. year too. They, so many of them were on defense. Like Mahomes got so a great. Mahomes got a five, and that was about it. I so, Greg, you gave, the, you gave the greatest. The Mahomes of, co- of coaches? I mean, I feel like he kind of. All right. Okay. Listen, you you my, gave my the greatest right. coach in NFL history of 4.5. They also were right at the beginning. You know, I didn't know how hard the grading was going to be. You know? And then the other I day also that... have to pick up my kids from <laughs> camp right now. I know I'm part of the reason from honking too much, but I got to miss the top two divisions. I'm the sorry. Other, You're the leaving other right that... now? I have to pick up. The kids are going to be waiting at camp. Uh, they're like, where is they, they? They'll be fine. Um, the other data here, uh, two and a half, two and a half, two and a half for the quarterback situation in Miami, except for Mark, you had him at three. All right. Yeah, just right. They're a classic down. two and a half quarterback situation. Number two. The I really, I really am leaving. I love you all. What is that? You can't leave. What? He has to, he has to pick up his children. I have he's to a, get him there. Usually this is safe. This is an you option. Know, just leave the show. <laughs> Greg. I mean, they're, I'm they're also... just like out in out in the city. You know, they're just gonna be like, uh, what Greg, Greg, go do it. Home? Though, like, if you can do it, we, the explanation is part of the problem here. We get it. It's, you just go do it. This, okay. the, this can't the go. There needs to be a penalty for this. That's that's a terrible job. He left. <laughs> he just he left. left the screen up. It's that's like an empty job. chair. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a bad job. 
getting what? some background noises. You got to get somebody. You got to get somebody else to pick up the kids. You can't just leave the show. Yeah, I mean, he should have just told us. He should have been way up front with us about this. What? Look at this. <laughs> They're doing the odd purrs today. Crazy. Today's the odd purr show. <laughs> It is, Dan, it is a bit treasonous. I, I, I hear what you're saying. Well, I can't say treasonous because it's, he's going to get his kids. But, like, where, where are we? Can we get an au pair to pick up the kids? Can we, we, we have yeah. another parent in the house? Can we figure out something? I mean, Greg, Greg's, like, rich now. Can't he have a house manager or something? Don't, the, don't those some exist? Of, uh, some type of, like, boy that works there? <laughs> Greg just actually Greg wants to go take a nap. That's what's happening. I cannot believe he left... Like his audio recording's probably still going right now. Like it's just it's just empty. I'm actually supposed to be interviewing um Hall of Fame inductee Drew I don't Pearson care. in I about don't care 15 about minutes. Anybody where they gotta be. We're doing the podcast. <laughs> Everyone's right now. like, hey, we gotta go. Everybody's giving me hard outs. I don't give a shit. Anybody's hard outs. We're hey Dan, guess podcast. what? I'm still here. Wait, how is Colleen not the one that at some point said I'm out of this situation this scenario? <laughs> Look I mean, who's she's still, still hanging around. Podcasting. It's me. Total loyalty. <laughs> Oh, you know, I, I'm the top of the show. I'm trying to move things along, and then we have like a 15 minute like conversation about life, and it's like that was great. I love talking about it, but did, did Greg not realize that he was on a clock himself at that point? No, he did not. Mm-mm. I can tell you affirmatively, he did not. Well, then we will pick up this conversation with Greg when he returns to the show at some point. I assume Monday. I don't know. Well, it depends what the parental, um, you know, responsibilities are that day. Apparently, Greg right. did note, did mention multiple times that he does not wear the pants in his house. I mean, I, I'm not saying that he said that to us on a show. So, you know, deduct as you will. Wait, wait that. Can I we can't get... wait to pull a Greg on Inside Training Camp, like on Friday. I'm just gonna be like, yeah, I gotta, I have something to be at now, so I'm gonna be leaving and then just get up and walk away. Do you, do you think if he's like sit, if he's sitting in for Nate Burleson on Good Morning Football, do you think he just walks away in the middle of the show? Is, you just don't know. It, at it's, this a, point. it's a respect you, thing at this point. I think you need to have a conversation with him. This is this. Let is me just this remove is. this. Here we go, Mark. This is a hey. Let's go get dinner and have a conversation. I think it is, and those are always. Um, there's sort of a sobriety aspect to that. I'm not saying that we're not drinking beer, but it's a somber conversation. We've had them before. Of, you know, Sometimes we have to have those break bread conversations. This is a break bread conversation because he just it broke is. my heart. All Greg of us. broke my heart just now. I feel like he broke up with us. He Willingly, chose his kids you know, over us, yeah. and that's something that needs to be addressed. He's got to have like a, a, a boy that fans him at the house somewhere that has a driver's license or at least can drive – and make a couple of right turns. Right. They aren't expensive. Mm-hmm. Boy, little boy? boys? I, no, I mean, it's like, I think you could hire a boy, probably doesn't charge that much. I'm picturing the little man uh, in Boogie Nights who's throwing the, um, those little sound things. The snappers. The drug den, the snappers. Yeah. Mm. I assume the, the, the Deselnik podcast allows him to have a, a snapper boy. I think there was some, there was an, uh, other elements to the relationship with Snapper Boy in that film, but um, I hear, I hear you. What if right, you let's... found out that Greg was going to do the podcast with Jezelnik right now, and he left this podcast to go do that one? Listen, no, I'm still here. I'm still here. Nothing would surprise me. <laughs> would he do that to Jezelnik? 
I don't know. That's TBD. that's the part of the conversation when you break bread with the little the dark boy. prince of comedy. Would he do that to Jeselnik? <laughs> All right, let's try to let's pull things together. Let's be professionals. Number two on the overly esoteric division power rankings is the AFC North. How about that, Mark mm-hmm. Sessler? Number two. Some people would have said number one, but it's not how it worked out um, according to our data. And it breaks down as follows. The favorite in the division, just slightly, the Baltimore Ravens, 84 and a half. Out of 100, that makes sense. Number two, the Cleveland Browns, 82. Number three, the Pittsburgh Steelers, 77 and a half. So as we've talked about, that 70 to 75 is a bubble team. We see the Steelers out of that bubble. As a group, we kind of see them more as a team that is in the in the dance, most likely. Anything plus 75. And then the Bengals rounding it out and pulling down the average of 57 and a half. If the Bengals had a little more juice to them, um, this is the number one team in our power rankings a number one division in our power rankings that's not how it worked out mark the browns would have been number one but i think you were a little harsh on them grading wise uh to be totally honest with you um and i saw some of your scores were a little lower than i expected for your favorite football team i was trying to um look at this division from a couple different angles and yes i think the browns you could argue have the most balanced and powerful looking roster on paper i think they do Um, there are questions about Baker Mayfield that most people have. I have probably fewer of those questions than others. I think if he can just do what he did last year, they're a playoff team. But for me, and you know, maybe this was where a little bit of emotion came in, but just because of evidence and what I've seen, I want to see the Cleveland Browns as an organization say, say to everyone, we can do this two years in a row where Mm. I have no questions about the Ravens repeating their success. And frankly, like I do think over the course of the off season, the Steelers, they have some holes, but they have addressed certain concerns. And just as we get closer and closer to the year, I kind of just trust them to win 11 games. And so I had the Browns just a, not, a nudge below Pittsburgh based on sort of organizational history, maybe as much as anything else. Maybe that was a little off base, but I, don't, I have all three of them as playoff type teams. We both had Baker at three and a half. I think like Kirk Cousins, that's a perfect spot for Baker Mayfield mm-hmm. in 2021. And I think he has a ceiling personally of a four quarterback and a floor of a three quarterback, I think. And that's why if you're the Browns, you can understand why um, they're like, is that a guy to do a long-term deal with? Um, He's maybe not going to be a superstar, but he's shown us, he's demonstrated that he is a sturdy guy that can run an offense and can get hot. Like, is that, is that enough of a a skill set to do long-term business with? I think they will eventually. I think that I was a four with Baker. I think I gave him a little bit more of an edge because I almost feel like people are too down on him and they don't give him enough credit um, for last season. But the biggest thing for me uh, is the Steelers. I I have a lot of questions about that offensive line there. They're, it's basically completely new. Um, and then they're trying to revamp and revitalize a run game there. So Najee Harris, he's great, but it's really going to fall back on the offensive line. Like how much, how much will they be able to protect Ben and what kind of run blocking will they be able to do for Najee? Connie, you had the Joe Burrow at four and a half out of five. You are very high. I love Burrow. Joe Burrow. I and thought I, he was really good before he got he was, hurt. He was. And I, I, hate, he got hurt. I hate how training camp beat reporting and not, it's not on the beat reporters because they're doing their job, but the way the football cognizante 
takes the reporting <laughs> and then it spins it into this is the way things are now. And that's what's going to happen with this Joe Burrow report that's out there today that he's been really had a, a tough training camp so far. He's missing a lot of passes. He doesn't look nearly the same as he did last summer. Mark, does that concern you a lot? Or for, for me, I, I you got to reconstruct the knee surgery. No joke. He's trying to get his, his feet wet. I'm giving him a little bit more of a pass, but I could see why some people are going to run with this. I think you can you can say, though, that there is you know, there are quarterbacks in time, back in time where coming off of knee surgery, they just weren't the same type of person. Now, Burrow, I mean, he does it all, um, but he's not like a scrambling quarterback first. He, he, you know, it's a little bit different than when RG3 came back from a major knee operation. I, you know, Burrow, Burrow's deep ball is something people have concerns with. Um, my thing with them is like, is this organization, if he were on a different team, different organization, would they manage this the same way? Would, would, would he be in an environment that puts him in a better place for success? I always have issues with the Bengals on that front. Um, but Burrow, the player, I'm with Colleen that like a month ago, I absolutely thought the world of him. And we'll wait and see if there's some sort of tentative nature to his play. I mean, one week of bad camp practices does not shake my opinion to the core, though. Mm-hmm. All right. I would also, yeah. All right. Let's, let's, no, keep no, it no. Going. I want to hear it. What were you going to say? Well, I was going to say you have, your quarterback, who had such a, a great season before he was hurt, and he has the com- coming off the knee injury, and the fact that the organization didn't take Panay Sewell or didn't take someone for that offensive line, uh, I think is troubling because if he gets hit again, you don't know where he is. I'm sure, I'm sure he's going to be okay. But I just, if it was me, I would have taken a player to protect my franchise quarterback, um, not someone that another guy that he could throw to. Obviously it's Listen, nice that they have the reunion, but I just think it's really to important audience. to protect your guy. And you're, 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 uh, you're preaching to the choir. Is it singing to the choir? No, you're preaching to the choir. I've been banging the that. The choir trance. would be singing to the preacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why they didn't do it, but that's, it is what it is. You hope the offensive line, uh, Riley reef. And um, there are some other pieces there that are, trending upward that offensive line will be better but I, I do hate because I think we're all really excited about Burrow entering last year and he really flashed in moments mm-hmm. uh in, during an imperfect rookie season I just hate that now the conversation around him is is he going to be okay is is, is he, physically is he the same guy you just it's just a kind of a bummer for year two of his career I mean, he can answer those questions real fast yeah. though. he can and you just hope it's not an rg3 situation where right. he ends up getting hurt in a way where he was kind of hung out to drive by his team on a certain level, and then he's never the same guy physically again. By the way, RG3 uh, retired from the NFL and now works for ESPN. How about that? Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Finally, according to our tabulations, and this includes Greg's data, even though he's no longer part of the conversation. Let's check in, uh, Ricky. This is for the YouTube audience. Yep. <laughs> Chair still empty. We're going to have to have a sit down. We're going to have to break bread, Mark. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, we, we thought we got through some of this. Um, apparently not. <laughs> the NFC West is the best football division, uh, according to the Around the sure NFL is. podcast, Overly Esoteric Division Power Rankings. And uh, it makes sense to me. And it's very interesting. So we have the Rams as the ever so slight favorite, 81 and a half out of 100 average grade. Uh, the Seahawks at 81. Right behind him. And then not far behind the Rams and the Seahawks, the Niners at 77 and a half. And damn, after talking to Matt Barrows, I'm like, man, well, <laughs> yeah, 
if this Trey Lance dude is what he looks like he is in camp so far, you might have to bump this team up uh, seven or eight points. But for now, we can only go off a completely inexperienced rookie quarterback and Jimmy G, Jimmy G in the driver's seat to be the starter, 77 and a half. So we have, based on our data here, we have three teams that should be comfortably playoff teams if things play out how they want them to. And then the Cardinals added the mix, a victim of a lot of things, uh, including a very tough division, 67 and a half. Nothing to be ashamed of, 67 and a half, but that is not a playoff team. And I don't know if that will be enough to keep Cliff Kingsbury employed if they end up going, let's say, 7 and 10. Well, they had such a disappointing end to last season. They're, the start, though, was really promising. And then once Kyler hurt his shoulder, everything sort of went downhill and he wasn't able to do the same things that he could do before. But I thought that when you watch them at the beginning of the year, they had so much momentum and I'm, I, I'm a little bit higher on them. I, I think that this is the toughest division, no, like no doubt about it in football. But I think the Cardinals could also be very much in the mix. Yeah, I don't I don't think that they're it's not so much like I'm down on the Cardinals. I just think that to be in that environment in that division is going to be rough. Um, mm-hmm. I think the 49ers a year ago were a team that could get picked off, you know, here and there because of their injury situation. I think their quarterback, tight end, running back and two starting wideouts played together for two games at tops. And now the environment's totally changed. I mean, if Trey Lance, to your point, is what we're hearing, um, they're the odds on favorites to me in this division. I just want to see it first. The Rams just feel really solid. I mean, I gave their quarterback a high score, their coach, their defense, their offense, their juice. They're coming to the new stadium. We know that Colleen's a big fan of that place. So <laughs> there's a lot to like here. And I mean, I think it's it, there's they are the better division than the AFC North. I think we got that right as a group. Nailed it. We, you know, I was the Genuze Quad juice factor of the Seahawks. I had it down at three because there is some like bubbling tensions um, in Seattle right now, but. You know, I had I had Russell Wilson at four and a half as a quarterback. I think it was mostly fives uh, for um, Russell Wilson's. You have that quarterback. You have the the coaching staff in place. You have a defense uh, that 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 can get the job done. An offense with a high ceiling. Yeah, the Seahawks. It's we've talked about it's a make or break year for them. Um, and then the, the other team in the mix here, the Rams. Listen, Mark, you've. Uh, been up and down on the Rams at times, but when you just kind of go through it all, oh look who's back! Oh my God, Greg, what? Look, you guys back. are still honking. You know, did you already pick up your kids? Still chatting? Yeah, they're pretty close. You know, the camp's very close. We're <laughs> very determined back. to cross the ninety-minute. Still mark doing the, the podcast. It should be. You should know, Greg, that we spent ten minutes uh, discussing your exit uh, before we got back into the chat, so that might explain why we're still doing this. But we are at the <laughs> NFC West. 76.875, the number one team on the uh, overly esoteric division power rankings. Overly elongated division <laughs> power rankings. <laughs> we also Dan, have, a, we does... have a dinner date ahead, Greg, just to let you know. Um, well, yeah, I, I was just going to ask Dan, uh, how does this change things now uh, since Greg came back uh, onto the show after he got his kids? What, you uh, said it was a bad job by me or whatever? Well... Listen, we we don't need the to. Best job, we're going to we... be breaking bread to, to really have the conversation. I don't think it's for the show, but uh, no, we wondered if you were sitting in for Nate on GMFB or if uh, Tony Jeselnik <laughs> was next to you uh, with a microphone 
is, is Greg walking off? We, I mean, these are questions that are we're just kind of thrown these, out there with no real answers. Unfortunately, you guys are you know this camp schedule has been going on for a while. It's why we were we've been taping a little earlier today. Just went a little long, you know, large partly because of me. So I'll take that responsibility. But I can't just uh, can't just let them sit there in the parking lot at Memorial Park over there. <laughs> and can you uh, can you? Um, Confirm or deny that you have a, what did we call it? A snapper boy? Well, sort uh, of like a house boy, boy. Um, like a young, young man, not even a man, not even a young man, a boy helping you out with various tasks. A boy. Someone who could drive, <clears throat> maybe 16. We don't have any help, please. <laughs> if, if, you, if you are a good babysitter or something, we haven't had a babysitter since, you know, this pandemic began here. Let's, let's do something. Hmm. All right, so let's wrap it up. Greg, do you have AFC North came in at second, 75.375, just ahead of the NFC West. And uh, the way that our numbers broke down, uh, we like we like uh, playoff team, three playoff teams coming out of here and it comfortably. And with, you know, the Ooh. Trey Lance, who knows what happens if he takes off because we have the Niners ranked third in the division, but they could easily vault the Rams and Seahawks. Cardinals a little behind the pack. Um, do you have anything to add? The numbers got it right. What other what other division has three Super Bowl contenders? None. Sorry, uh, unless you want to throw the Steelers in there as a right. Super no, Bowl I think you're contender. right. I think, I think you got could. The and I the think Cardinals... you could if you squinted hard enough. But I think I think the Seahawks playing in the Super Bowl is something that could happen. The 49ers playing in the Super Bowl, I believe, is something that could happen, and the Rams as well. And the Cardinals aren't. We don't think the Cardinals are a dog team. No, there are some team. really they're bad not. teams that are picked to be fourth place the cardinals are not the cardinals have a ceiling uh where i could see them winning 10 games so that this is a really really good division they deserved it it would have been troubling if they didn't finish first but they have and that is let's close the book or close the excel spreadsheet i thought it went well maybe a little long but i think we really <laughs> learned some things and uh it was a good conv in a big no, I liked spot. it. It kind of worked as an yeah. overarching season preview, you know, a little yeah. bit, which we haven't done. So that's that's good. And now maybe we don't have to do. Oh, <laughs> you know, throwing that out there. <laughs> Mark's just like, thinking. can we have next week off? <laughs> um, all right, Connie, you you said it all. You're I sure out. did. I really did today. This and is I my really, best work. I, I, I gave you I gave you some poop early, and the reason is because I know that you're a great sport and um, thank you. Are you trying to just like avoid an angry text from me? Is that <laughs> Colleen's like, we got to break bread. Happening? We have to sit down and break bread. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to go out to dinner. And, that, and I am looking- up for the longest show in history with the most <laughs> amount of homework. So I know I'm supposed to go get like hand x-rays, but I think I might just take a nap instead and hope for the best. And I look forward. I look forward to Hollywood park. Uh, Colleen, I just want to let you know, I haven't been there yet, but I'm really excited to see oh. that stadium. Well, you should be. It's the future. Now you built it up. <laughs> I wish that was your delivery. All right. We'll be back on Friday tomorrow on NFL Network. Uh, so check that out. Check your local listings. DVR it. Find a way to watch it. Saturday uh, morning, I think, too. Saturday. You know? Yes. My you can do that Saturday with us, morning. too, if you'd like, Colleen, if you'd like to do. Oh, my God. That's so nice of you guys. But I'll be in Atlanta for Inside oh. Training Camp Live. Yeah. What's up next? So you got Atlanta. Then where are you going after that? So I have Atlanta on on Saturday, and then I'm in Tennessee on Monday and Indianapolis on Wednesday. Mm, that was good. You were squeezing mm-hmm. your eyes so hard thinking there. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm challenging it's you so, so much It's so hard today. to use the brain today. It's <laughs> broken. Well, 
Safe travels, Connie. You're doing awesome work. You are a star in the network, and and we're happy to have you on the show. Uh, yes, NFL Network show this weekend, and then we're back Monday with another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening, and until Monday, always heed that call.